0: And welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 177, Legislating Hackers, Herding Cats, and Other Impossibilities, recorded January 25th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP Productions. Com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, And joining me this week, as always, are your stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the Command Line Godfather, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, everyone out there in TV land, and hello to you, too, guys. I hope everything's been going good for the last couple of weeks.
2: And a big howdy to everybody who's ever seen an episode of Hee Haw.
0: (laughs) Which, if you grew up in rural Texas like I did, it was on every channel. There were only three channels. Well, maybe another three UHF, so six if you were lucky. And Hee Haw was on all of them at some point during the day.
2: See, you weren't out in the country as far as I was because my dad would make me, I'd have to go outside, climb a ladder part way up the chimney and turn the pole that the <laughs> antenna was mounted on, depending wow. on which station he wanted to walk. Now, my
0: granddad had a motor so we could turn it. He had a 75 foot tower and a little dot knob that sat on his desk and it was, it was his. Nobody was allowed to touch it but him. And you could turn the knob and you'd hear and the fuzz would go and. It would. the signal would come in on his black and yeah, white Yeah, we TV. had
2: that later. Yeah. Yeah, we had that later. But, you know, when you've got a, a pre-teenage boy, you don't need to waste money on a motor. <laughs> Just send him out there up the ladder. <laughs> he, You are the motor.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wind, lightning, doesn't matter. Send the
2: kid up. Yeah. I'll make you exercise one way or another.
0: And, of course, <laughs> you were a five-and-a-half-foot third grader, too, so that didn't help any. It didn't hurt any.
2: No. He just had to have a strong ladder. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I was always big, but my
0: big growth spurt came between my freshman and sophomore years where I grew three and a half inches and gained 80 pounds. Um, wow. In, wow. In like that four month period, that was, it was painful. It hurts to grow that much that fast.
1: Yeah. I never actually grew that much that fast. Mine was a long, stretched out thing and it was like every year i had a you know new pants new shoes every six months it's like eh,
2: oh well now, now it's I was the other way big i'm and, going wide <laughs> yeah i was born big and got bigger that's uh we learned early on that like you know how most people's right foot is larger than their left well my left foot is larger than my right so we would buy shoes in the store and then they would hurt like two weeks later and we Uh, finally found that out. And after that, it was always had to try. And of course, you know, every time it's a different sales clerk and they don't believe you. No, your right foot's bigger. No, you idiot. I know my body. And they pull out the little, and this was back when they had the little thing, you know, and they go, wow, your left foot is bigger. (laughs) And, uh, I'm like, go figure.
0: The, the tangents we go on here. I mean, we just started.
2: and and went and
0: went straight to to aerials and and analog black and white television down to being growing fast, having a left foot bigger than a right foot, and we're three minutes into the show,
1: and we're totally broken. I love
0: it <laughs> thanks
1: guys. My whole week's hat made now.
0: we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet um <laughs> yeah, we haven't hit the warm up. <laughs> Um, oh, well. Okay, well, let's jump to that. Chris has some stats because he's had one of those biometric. What are they calling those things? The quantified self. That's the the fancy word people are using. It's the age of the quantified self, and you have begun to quantify yourself.
1: I have been. It's actually kind of impressive because you know most of my day is a desk job, so I don't leave my desk very often. So the fact that I can put some stats up that say you know I've I've been I've been watching you know my movements for the last you know month and a half, and I've done technically 45 miles of walking. That's impressive. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, my stat counter resets every day, and at 7:40 p.m. I am currently sitting at just under 2,300 steps. It was a light, lazy Saturday. Uh, typically, I do uh, and again office job. I don't do much, uh, but I'm I'm three three thousand to thirty five hundred. You know, and, and you you hope to get between eight and ten thousand is what people recommend. Ten thousand is roughly five miles of brisk walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do roughly two miles. Uh, no, not even that. A mile um, of of brisk walking a day is, is what I'm hitting right now. So that you know, that's that's okay. That's just where I am. It's I have quantified yeah. myself, all thanks to my Moto 360. so what is your specs chris
1: uh so so far um the total specs for me um for well it depends because mine will actually let me break it down daily weekly monthly and then all all together so what i put up in our show notes are that's my all together activity tracking um
0: over what period of time
1: since december 24th
0: so a a year i mean a month no
1: (laughs) about a month yeah. yeah
0: So that's the word I thought, just not the one I said. <laughs>
1: yeah, about a month. Um, and I noticed something. And uh, you know, not when you have a an, a tracking band, you notice other people that have tracking bands. Yeah. What what side do you put your band on? Are you a righty or a lefty?
0: Well, it's a watch. I wear my watch on the left side, so that's that's no. it for me. Most of the guys I see wear it in place of a watch. In my
1: experience, yeah, most. Uh, I must be just the odd duck then, because I wear it on the opposite side that I would wear a watch.
0: Huh.
1: It, it feels weird otherwise, and I I don't wear a watch, and so I don't know. It just I'm, I guess I'm an odd duck. So in so more many proof, ways, yeah. This is, is just more, more. I was just gonna say more proof to the point that I'm an odd duck.
0: <laughs> um, have you taken up archery, or is this just something cool you found on the web?
1: Well, it's something cool I found on the web and something that I've always wanted to learn is archery. Um, and this guy, he's, he's a, an an archer that has no longer is using a quiver, like they, the traditional left, you know, quiver that you see everybody pull out like an arrow or anything else. Um, he, he's going on the idea that the, the quiver was more of a Hollywood thing than an actual thing for like battle, archers or people that would be actually fighting and so when you watch the little youtube video he's showing off his his stunts and everything and you know when you watch him i can understand why an archer would view it this way versus a quiver um it just seems to make more sense and when you watch the guy at the end i'm not going to spoil it for anybody that's that's you know well i guess i'll spoil it anyway uh he's shooting arrows out of the air that are being shot at him So, it's kind of impressive to watch this dude, you know, be able to eye track and shoot an arrow out of the air, you know, just like uh, you see in the, you know, in the...
0: So, wait, somebody's shooting an arrow to him. He's catching it and returning fire?
1: No, that's... Yeah, he does that one, too, but he's actually shooting the arrow out of the air with another arrow.
2: Oh, so he's aiming at the arrow coming at him and shooting it out. Okay. Oh. Okay,
0: so 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 it's a uh, 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 Star Wars Defense Initiative, but with arrows, <laughs> something like that. But it's it's kind of a cool thing to
1: watch, and you know the the more he and the more facts he he, it's a lot of stuff he's throwing out that he's done research on, and I don't know how true it all is. But with the picture, the pictographs that he shows, it makes sense the way he's doing his archery now.
0: All right, so. Okay, watch the video. I put it in the chat room. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. Um, Tell us what you
1: think about it next week. I'm curious. Is that? Am I the only one that's just think that that's pretty impressive, or is it? You know,
0: the the one the time I tried to use a real bow, I nearly flayed the skin off my left arm. Um, so watching (laughs) anybody do archery is impressive to me. They don't have to be doing fancy stuff. Five-year-olds shooting targets in their backyard impresses me because I can't do it.
1: See, when I was younger, I also did a lot of, I I played around with a bow and arrow a lot, so it was just one of those things I never took forth the effort to learn true archery, so to see something like this go on is just, it, it impressed me, so I figured I'd show it off.
2: Yeah, I wasn't ever like a competition guy, but I could usually win all of the, uh, shootouts at summer camp and stuff that I was a part of. I, I've, I've often considered maybe buying a bow, but you know, that takes money and I'm too cheap. So unless we get like, I don't know who produces bow and arrows, but if we can get them as a sponsor. (laughs) You know, maybe maybe I'll take it up again. Otherwise, it's just going to be fond memories of yesteryear. I
0: was at a uh, Cabela's. I'm not sure if everybody in the world knows what that is. It's a it's an outdoor sh- uh, store, which means I have no business being there. But I was there with a real man, um, and he was. We were looking around. We went to look at the arrow stuff only because it was on the way to the gun room that's where we were at right. um and and so there there's just this row of arrows there and I uh, or bows there and I'm looking at it and so I just grab one off the shelf randomly and I can't even pull the thing back uh you know it was a compound bow um you know uh, and it was just one of those things it, it amazes me how how much uh, how, how much force requires just to pull those things past the breaking point uh and you know and 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 put an arrow in <clears throat> and the salesman came out hi can i help you I, Really like to make a commission on this. And, you know, we were talking about it. And he was like, well, we have this, you know, essentially mechanical winch that you could put on there for, you know, wimpy guys like you. That's not what he said, but that's, that's what his tone was. <laughs> you know, for, for the elderly, infirmed, and apparently you, um, <laughs> we have this mechanical, uh, pulling device that you can use if, if you're so inclined. Uh, it's, it's just amazing how far this ancient weapon has come in the modern age.
1: And the fact that it's still, so well, I mean, it's still used everywhere, in, I know about 20 different people that do uh, archery every year that they actually go out and hunt with a bow yeah. Um which is still impressive, in, in you know, those are the type of people I want to know in case the zombie apocalypse happens, right. so that way I have someone to, you know, be the hunter I'll well, cook it.
0: One of my favorite uh quotes about the crossbow uh in the early stages was, such a terrible weapon as this that surely wars will never be fought again Um, you know, it was the, it was the pinnacle of weaponry in its time. And now it's a sporting device that you can go pick up at Cabela's.
1: And they have those battery powered too now.
0: Yes. I saw those. (laughs) So, uh, Seth, did somebody call you and try to offer you to fix your, your computer with a virus again?
2: Yes. And it happened just, I was getting ready to leave the house and the phone rang and, it must've been the guy's first day on the job because he wasn't familiar with the script at all. The only thing he could say clearly was he was a Microsoft certified technician. So, you know, I did, I listened to him talk for a little bit and I told him my whole, you know, look, I'm a computer technician. I'm well aware of your scam, but if you would like to practice your script, go ahead. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he didn't hang up, but he said, no, this is not this, you know, he's like, no, I am certified Microsoft technician. Yeah, so am I. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I was like, yeah, really? You know, I've got like eight of them and I've had mine longer, but, uh, you know, finally <laughs> I just, I got tired of him because he was, he was too stupid to play along. So finally I said, okay, tell me what version of Windows I have. And he goes, and you know, I finally, he said, you have Windows XP, right? <laughs> and I was like, nope. It hung up, but nice. uh, you know, i if I hadn't had the leave to come here, I, you know, I, I could have coached him, and you know, I guess <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing I did. Help the scammer get better. <laughs> yeah, I but, once uh, had it a which is fun.
0: I once had like a nine week long running relationship with a uh, a Nigerian scammer via email, <laughs> uh and that was that was some of the most fun I've ever had. Stringing this uh, girl, quote unquote, I'm pretty sure it wasn't along. Um, who needed help getting out of the country for I don't even remember this was years ago, but I I I played the part of a wealthy um American millionaire who was looking for a mail order uh, wife and was like, sure, I'll give you anything you want if you'll just come here and and be my wife and and she was was all on board and, and you know but but first I need to uh my mother I, my uncle has some debts that need to be oh yeah fine fine it's it's fine I have I have lots of money that's not a problem. Uh, so it just, we went back and forth, you know, uh, every couple of days an email would come and finally I just got tired of responding to him and, and didn't. But, uh, uh, I was wondering how far that would go, you know, how, 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 how much information could I tease out of him? That was my goal was to try to get right. him to let his guard down and give away some information. Um, right. And, uh, did you, I of course did it work I, well, I couldn't verify it. I don't know if what he told me was real or not. Uh so but yeah I, I'm pretty sure he did he did finally admit to being African and not um I think uh South American was originally where it was uh, it, it's cuz the you know it was broken English I said your syntax I speak several romance languages and your syntax really doesn't seem like that of a South American it really seems more um like you've come to it from from a sub-saharan or african dialect
1: um. <laughs> <laughs> hook line sinker No, nice. I, am,
2: I am certified Microsoft technician <laughs> your, your computer has, has sent me error reports, and I'm like really what computer since you have the error report and
0: what's the name of it uh, what's my machine yeah. name see the last
1: time yeah. I had one of those guys I wanted to do you know play along with him but on my Linux box and be
2: like I don't have it on my computer I must be really broken. Yeah, yeah. what do I do? <laughs> yeah, I had just put up my Linux laptop that I brought up here. That would have been fun to try. Okay, I I, I know how to start. H- how how get there, you? <laughs> so it would have been good. Uh, uh
0: <laughs> we're trained professionals. People, don't try to do this at home. <laughs> don't don't play with scammers on your own.
1: Um, well, at least not especially if you're not well protected. So. Make sure your Boris box is good and then then have fun
0: uh well, we have well, some listener feedback about that very thing that we'll jump into mm-hmm. in a minute, but first, Robert from Alaska has some uh travel advice that he wanted to share so uh take it away rob oh our first uh uh voicemail in quite a long time, and we have two of them this show i almost Ooh, I almost saved them, but uh they were both timely so. I, I didn't, but I did I did get a third one that I'm hanging on to because I don't want to, you know, go six months without any and then three all at once. So here we go, Robert from Alaska.
3: Hey, guys. It's really good to give you a message again and listen to the podcast. I hope you guys keep on doing it. Uh, I really am not worried about the fact that you talk about all kinds of things, including sports. Um, I'm just happy you guys talk about, you know, life, Linux, and other things that are going on in your life. It's really nice. I want to leave this message for Seth. Um, I heard you talking about your trip to Hawaii and you're mentioning that the ticket price had went up by the time you went back and checked. A uh, little trick I've used before, I don't know if it still works, is uh, use incognito mode when you're searching for the ticket. Because if they have a cookie on your machine, see you come back, a lot of times they'll raise the airfare because they want you to buy it right then. And if they've raised the airfare, you go, oh, my God, i got to get it before the price goes up. So uh, that's something to try next time and see if you could still get the price at the same rate we you were looking at for the same day without having to change things. Also, another little trick is sometimes go in and put down your destination city. Oh, I'm sorry. That's triangle trip. Never mind. Uh, I had another trick for when you're doing totally a triangle trip from two different cities, and one of them is more expensive. Sometimes you can switch around which city you're coming from and going to after you put in your date and that way it keeps the same dates, Um, but instead of, for example, let's say I'm going to San Francisco, and I'm going to fly back from L.A., and the price is really high, well, I put it in as if I'm going to L.A., coming back from San Francisco, and if the price is lower, then switch the cities around in the middle of the transaction, and if it lets you do that, sometimes you get a lower price. There's some other little tricks as well. Well, I hope you're doing good. I'm up in Fairbanks, Alaska. It's about to be minus 30, 40 below here for a couple of days. So uh, I'm missing the warm weather. We've had snow since October. You guys take care where you're at. Bye-bye. All
0: right, Robert. While I appreciate a good life hack, everything you just said, it's worth me paying more not to have to do that. <laughs> that sounded like an <laughs> awful lot of effort well the incognito yeah, well, mode i've
1: used that actually right. does work yeah
0: we've talked about that before you can get different rates with an incognito mode for sure
2: yeah but and you can't you know, be locked in yes yeah i just used it where i um i just switched the dates because at this point i hadn't requested off any time and uh you know one day before or after wouldn't matter to me um So I just I just switched the dates. I didn't know I might try those next time because you know I'm a cheapskate and I'll spend an (laughs) hour to save five bucks. (laughs) Uh,
0: Which is you know uh, uh, my wife is one of those. She will go out of her way to to spend money to make to save money. Um, That's sales do that in general, right? It's forty percent off this thing that you wouldn't have bought if it hadn't been off. If it hadn't been uh, uh, discounted, so you buy it. So it's mm-hmm. not forty percent off; it's a hundred percent more than you would have bought. Right. It's a, it's an amazing yeah. bit of psychology there. You can put things on say, or like uh, New York Times for example. Um, it costs more to buy the online only subscription than to buy the online only with the uh, uh, the the print version to send you the papers. So even if you don't want the papers. You save money by buying the online but it's huh. it's a red herring because really you can buy the 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 regular one and get the online for the same rate and so it's it's like you you pay more if you buy the online and add the print than you do if you buy the print, which includes the online something like that. i i read that uh, uh i haven't subscribed to it myself, but I read that uh, an article about that recently it's it's a carefully con- conscri- uh Constructed. There's the word. A carefully constructed ruse to make you buy the most expensive option. Um, right. It's, it's the it's the introduction of a third irrelevant choice. Right. So buy one right. get one free. But if you didn't want the first one, the one free doesn't matter. It's an irrelevant third choice that makes you buy the one you didn't really want in the first place.
2: Right. Right. Well,
1: that's also like having your um impulse points. You know, a lot of people have their their impulse point is less than six dollars so really? if you have a five dollar app in your app store or five dollars for whatever your thing is people are going to buy it more often than if it was over six dollars right
0: <laughs> I've, I've talked about that before we're so crazy with our apps i've got a seven hundred dollar apple iphone uh and i've got a you know another i don't know what it is hundred dollar uh a year care plan with it 99 cents for an app whoa back the bus up here Not so sure I (laughs) can handle that.
1: It's crazy, isn't
0: it? All right. And so moving right along, Dave wants to know, as you alluded to, Chris, is he safe behind a router? He says, I've been told over the years that if our internet connection goes through a router, then I don't need to install a software firewall. I keep seeing that stated, yet a lot of people on tech podcasts I listen to keep talking about various security platforms they use. And it gives me a niggling doubt in my mind that maybe I should get something, too. I've heard you reference a Boris box, which may be talking about this. Should I just download that episode and get ready for a steep learning curve or just use, is just using a router, uh, fine? Uh, well, yes, you should obviously go listen to that, that episode. Why? Yeah. Why would you even ask that? Uh, episode 39, (laughs) one of our favorite episodes. So the Boris box is a router. It's just a router you build yourself. If you, if you're a geek like me, you're not content with buying a $39 Linksys box at Best Buy. You want to spend seven hundred dollars on a box that does almost as much uh, or more <laughs> to you build yourself? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, my the original Boris box was an old circa 1995 era laptop uh, that that I converted into uh, a, a router just because for the fun of it. Um, and so, if you're behind a router, you don't need a software firewall. I would say nobody needs a software firewall anymore, unless. You're on a network you can't trust. At a hotel, fire that sucker up. At a, you know, at a, at, at a public access point of any kind, fire it up. The Windows in particular software firewall is fairly unobtrusive. Leave it on. It's not going to hurt anything. Most of the time, it's not going to help anything either, but it's just that extra layer of protection. But yes, behind even the most basic NAT router, and let me back up a little bit and explain what NAT is. Network Address Translation. It takes your um, private addresses that are non-routable over the internet. Uh, probably in your home router, it's the one nine two dot one six eight dot something dot um, something. Those, for technical math reasons, can't be routed over the internet. They're they're a a sum of an equation that can't be rounded, so to speak. So uh, they they're Neo from the Matrix. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> So people have taken those, use those behind their routers and the NAT router, the network address translation takes that and turns it into a real IP address, 77.100.93.6. I don't know. I made that up. Um, so that comes from your internet service provider and that's your public address and the network address translation translates so that everybody sees on the outside sees your public address and you on your side see the router's address. That stops. 90 plus percent of unsolicited attacks because they don't know the address of your router. Uh, if your router is configured to port forward, just blindly say whatever comes in over here, send it to that same port on, on that computer, then then you can be hacked. And that's where UPnP can be dangerous. And we've talked about that before. Lots of things like the Xbox, for example, likes to use UPnP, uh, universal plug and play. It's a way for devices to configure your router for you. Super easy but also somewhat dangerous because now you have no idea what access other people have to your house. Uh, So there's the 50 cent version of what a router does and why it mostly makes you safe. Right.
1: The only other thing I would say uh, when it comes to making sure you're safe behind your router is make sure it's current. Um, A lot of the firmware are the, a lot of the, the routers of yesteryear have monster security holes in them so make sure you go through and update the firmware to close some of those holes down and to double and then i would definitely go look at you know some testing soft sites like shields up to make sure that your your router is doing its job
0: yeah and if you've got an old router that you bought in the 90s um, still using admin and, and no password as the login with the setting turned on to allow remote access so that anybody from anywhere can stumble on your IP address, enter admin and no password. Well, you don't own that router anymore. So you, you do you need never to take, s- you need to take some basic steps. Uh, and yep. fortunately, most modern routers and by modern, anything made in the last five to seven years. Uh, are much more hardened against that. They will make you pick a password during the setup Mm -hmm. process. They will make you turn on encryption. So it was really only, uh, you know, I say that brief period of time, really like 12, 15 years. It was a long time where we had broadband, but we didn't know how to act with broadband.
1: So, yeah, Jeff, like I was, I just want to make sure everyone knows to make sure your stuff is secure. And if you don't trust the firm, you know, the, you know, you can still use those blue box Linksys routers. I usually change. Yeah, but just change the background, you know, the the firmware to DDWRT or Tomato, and that eliminates a lot of issues as well.
2: Seth, what are your thoughts? Well, I just want to say that's the best use of the word niggling I've ever come across in my <laughs> life, Dave. So you get kudos for that. But I am um, – it's one of those things – you you can't, based on the information you provided, it's really impossible to give you a definitive answer because, like we've said, there's so many situations where having the extra security on your machine will come in handy. Um, if another infected machine gets on your network, then having a software firewall can be a big deal. If you have a laptop that you take places or tablet these days that you take places, then having that extra layer of protection can be a good deal. But if you have a desktop with a hardwire connection into the router and nobody else ever comes over, then, you know, it like it it makes your defensive stance a little bit better, but you probably don't need it. Um you know i did support for somebody one time where they could not access certain sites on the internet and i went over to their house and it's like okay they probably have a virus well to come to find out i couldn't access any security site from their network and it turns out their router had been hacked and i couldn't get to the router's website to you know get the uh, login information but luckily I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I bet this one's blank has the username and admin as a password. And sure enough, it was. So I rebooted it and then I was able to get in. So if you haven't taken the steps to configure your router correctly, you want some, you want some additional protection on your machine. But you know, if you've done some basic things, the extra settings, the extra security it gives you, you know, uh, the saying that I'm very familiar with is chicken soup to a dead man. It's probably not gonna hurt. Uh, so, uh,
0: but don't buy a software firewall. Uh, Windows, oh, fi- uh, Linux, Mac all have really solid ones that you can get for free that are are good. Windows, uh, anything after uh XP Service Pack two has one built in. So yep. turn it on. Uh, Mac, leave uh, it on. I think comes comes on by default. Um, I'm not sure. Linux doesn't come with one by default, but uh, a simple search of the your package repository will turn up a hundred different options. Pick the one with the pretty icon because uh, yeah. they're all running IP chains. <coughs> and um, <coughs> wow, that's old. IP tables, IP chains is like <laughs> 1992. Um, and and you Dude, know they're yourself, all Mark. they're all intu- essentially the same engine. It's just which paint job you like. Uh, and turn it on and go. I, I don't run one on my Linux box. Um, on my Windows box, I don't run one at home because it can get in the way of file sharing. That's the—that's a firewall's job, is to get in the way of sharing resources. Uh, the The terms network and security are are oxymoronic; they cannot be put together. You either have a network or you are secure. There is no such thing as network security. Um, when I was a you know a network admin for 15 years, my bulk, but the largest part of my job was making my firewall and my system as insecure as possible. You still have to make things available, but you want them available to the right people at the right time and in the right way. So that's why there's this whole, you know, that's why you can get a CNE or an MCSE or uh, all these uh, certifications so that you know how to selectively insecure your network. Right. But for a home user, don't worry about it.
1: I would say, you know, unless you want unless you're a geek and you want to play with it, go listen to the Boris Box episode. And then maybe take a look at Untangle or PFSense. Those are my two favorites for routers slash firewalls.
0: That was almost 140 episodes ago, guys.
1: Uh, wow, we should
3: wow. revisit
2: that.
0: I don't know that I have anything you know, new to say. You know what would be well, a good true.
2: idea is we could do like a Boris Box Smackdown with some <laughs> some of the different free ones out there. And because uh, a guy at work was telling me about another one that – I don't want to do, but I hear it's pretty good. And uh, so just talking about some of the better, you know, standalone Boris Box type things that you can build, that's a good future episode. Thank you, Dave. You have been awesome.
0: (laughs) All right. And for our last bit of listener feedback, it again is an audio feedback from the one and only Batman who uh, thinks that I have given Vigilantes a bad rap. So take it away, Batman.
4: Yes, Mark, this is. Batman calling, calling into the everyday vigilanteism show, wanting to uh, take you to task a little bit on uh, your opinion of Anonymous and people's actions. Um, I do agree with some of what you had to say on that. Batman However, that. uh, specifically your example, the thing that had me yelling at my podcaster was your example of stopping a rape in progress and then saying that you expected to be arrested for such action, uh, I would very strongly disagree with that and say that you you got to remember most recently in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, of course this is Texas where everybody still wears shooters and spurs, um, a man actually pulled a gun on an assault in progress in another vehicle and held the man to gunpoint until the police could arrive, and the um, citizen who helped out in that case was not charged, was not arrested. So I, I just want to say that, you, you know, you your example was not well chosen and that you may not have thought it through completely, uh because in the example of stopping a crime in progress, that is not vigilanteism. Um, that is actually good citizenship and we need more people like that all across the nation. We need more um, more people with concealed carry licenses as well as just good training to be able to and in the 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 right kind of stuff to step up and stop people when they see something going on in public. And they should not be afraid of being arrested by the police or charged with any kind of a crime for stopping something that is happening in public like that. Um, It is a very fine line, so uh, it is something that uh, I'm not saying is a wide-open area, but uh, just your example specifically, I think, was, was mischosen and uh, not well represented I- i'm hoping you didn't really actually believe exactly the way you said it now that you might look back at it and think on it through this uh, this way of thinking so anyway enjoy the show um everyday some um great show loved uh just plan on listening some more thank you batman out
0: all right batman since you called me out specifically i will respond <laughs> directly and then let the other guys have their say um, I did choose that example, uh, intentionally. It was well th- thought out and I do stand behind everything I said. Uh, a man raping a woman is a vicious and reprehensible crime. If I rip that man off of that woman and beat him up, that too is a vicious and reprehensible crime. If, if we take the rape out of it and I just was walking down the street, grabbed the same guy and pummeled him across the, the, the face, I would be thrown in jail for that. The fact that I interrupted another crime in in progress doesn't matter, all right? And the fact that a lot of people think that it's okay to beat up a rapist doesn't matter. I can quote, you, you quoted, um, you know, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, recent days where a man interrupted a crime and was not charged. I can quote uh, rural Mississippi, uh, not so recent days where a group of men hung a black man and nobody thought it was a problem. People thinking it's a problem or not doesn't have anything to do with it. If it's against the law, it's against the law, and you should be punished for breaking the law. If you break the law in the course of doing good, hopefully a jury of your peers will see that and mete out the appropriate punishment. If a cop beats up a suspect during the course of protecting an innocent civilian, he must face charges for that. He must go through the internal review process, and he may, in fact, do jail time for it. That's police brutality. There's there's doing your job and there's overdoing your job. Vigilantism plays on that fact that as long as most people think it's okay, I can get away with it. That's not right. If it's against the law and you break the law, you should be prepared to be punished for breaking the law. That's all I have to say.
1: So, Mark, you're very much the black and white person, aren't you?
0: I am. There is no gray in my world. <laughs>
1: See, I have lots of shit in gray in my world, so I don't have a problem with the idea of interrupting a crime as long as you're not exceeding the level of threat. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me clarify something. It's the right thing to do to interrupt a crime, but sometimes the right thing to do becomes doing a wrong thing, and it's important to know where that difference is.
1: Right. That's where I'm saying it. There's that line. You pulling know, a gun on another threat.
0: citizen is illegal, in all fifty states, everywhere in the country. Pulling a gun on another citizen is assault with a with mm-hmm. a deadly weapon, and it is illegal. It doesn't matter if you're making a citizen's arrest, if you're uh, interrupting a crime in progress. None of that matters. It is still assault with a deadly weapon, and is a crime. Now, the the authorities may choose to not press charges, uh, in that case. That that is their right too you do not have the right to defend yourself for breaking the law by saying you were breaking the law because
2: you thought it was the right thing to do. Okay.
1: I can understand that. Well,
2: no, I totally understand what you're saying, and as a general rule, what you're saying is correct. Um, You have to and again the problem that you see is this is always taken overboard and i totally agree with that however if you are going to stop a crime in progress you have to stop it with sufficient force to stop it yes so and so therefore just because you beat up somebody in in the course of a crime they were committing doesn't necessarily make it wrong if that's the amount of force it took to stop it So if you went overboard,
0: that's where we make that distinction between legality and ethicality. I agree with you. It is not unethical to beat up a rapist during during the course of stopping him from raping somebody. It is, however, illegal.
2: Like I say, it depends on, you can't, I mean, you know, like if you just, if you have like an aluminum baseball bat and you just beat him over the head and unconscious to a bloody pulp, yes. But, you know, if you pull him off and then a fight ensues to make him stay off and you end up mopping the floor with him, you know, at that point, no, because that's the level of force it took to stop the crime. Okay, all
0: right. In a court of law in this country. Does said rapist have the right to level charges against you for assault?
2: Yes or no? Of course he has the right. It does. Then I mean, it is against the law
0: and you have broken the law and you have to face those charges.
2: Well, but by the same token, if somebody robs my house, attempts to rob my house and we're and i catch him and throw him out of the window he tried to climb on he has the right to sue me yes but that doesn't mean i did anything wrong because i was taking the steps necessary to defend myself
0: it's it's again it's the difference between wrong and illegal and it's the the morality it's it's incumbent upon us as a society to make sure that our laws represent our ethics and if our ethics shift we must shift our laws but yeah. that doesn't always happen, and and a yeah, vigilante yeah. is taking ethics into his own hand without regard for the law. I do not believe that any society can stand when its citizens do not have regard for the law.
2: I don't disagree with that, but again, like I say, <laughs> there there's a distinction between what you're saying and what I'm saying, and yes,
0: I and I I fully agree with you. Right, I do. I want to get that out. I'm not a monster who thinks women who are being raped should be allowed to be raped. If if you don't take action, you are also guilty of aiding and abetting, and you could be you could be a uh, uh, person persecuted, prosecuted for that. We have laws on the on the the books that say you're not allowed to be a, an innocent bystander. You are required to render aid if you can.
1: Right, right.
0: So. In that case, you're you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Choose to yeah. be damned on the side of the of preventing the person from getting hurt.
1: Yeah, choose but, righteousness, not right um, legality. Yes,
0: but don't say it's legal because it's not. And be prepared to take your your lumps if need be. You know we just yeah. we just came through Martin Luther King Day. There was a man who spent a lot of time in prison for doing the right, right. thing. Mm-hmm. But his right thing was against the law. And because he stood up for ethics and morality, the laws shifted to catch up with the ethics of the society.
1: Which goes to show that our laws are not changing with the times. No, of course fast not. enough.
0: Which and is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. Thank you. Exactly. For bringing us full circle to Welcome. legislating hackers, herding cats, and other impossibilities
1: <laughs> you're welcome that was a
0: great segue right it was and you blew it up you blew it up i had to blow it up because first we have to talk about our friends over at the linux academy okay .com. if so. you want to learn how to be
2: a hacker in a film <laughs>
0: There you go. Yeah, I'm sure that's the intro they want. So uh, <laughs> if you've been listening to this show for for any length of time, you know about our friends over at LinuxAcademy.com, Anthony and his crew out there. Their job is to take you from being a guy who knows some stuff about some stuff and turn you into a guy who is a Linux administrator. And they do this uh, through uh, primarily through step-by-step video courses that show you Uh, by the way, that are built by uh, industry experts and independently certified as high-quality content. They take you through step-by-step. Here's what you do to install Linux on a server, for example. That would be one of the things that they would do. along with those step-by-step videos are printed PDFs guides. If you're one of those people that I always was amazed by in college who would take a white piece of paper and mark it on a highlighter so that every word is highlighted. Um, and they might as well have just bought yellow paper. If you're one of those people, you can print out the PDF study guides and you can paper yourself to death. Uh, if you're one of those guys like me who needs to see it done once and then break it a bunch of times, they have their labs platform for that, a safe place for you to break stuff. That's me. It's important to have a safe place where you can break stuff. And when I was in college, and I was learning about this stuff, um, and I broke stuff the night before a paper was due and lost my paper. That was not a safe place to break stuff. And that happened on more than one occasion. Um, and that
1: happened every week for me. It still does. Yes. I just about broke my machine today.
0: So you need a safe place to break stuff. And the Linux Academy (laughs) provides that in the form of up to eight different servers, four of which can be running concurrently and interacting with each other in their own little safe network. So that if you accidentally create a virus that will destroy the known universe, it won't go outside your four little machines. They run on Amazon's cloud platform. So they're lightning fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you blow one up, you just restart it, reinstantiate it and you start all over again and everything is safe. Um, hundreds of video courses, uh, uh, All sorts of ways to track what you're doing. Their lesson browser, uh, uh, lesson plan. I forget. I've forgotten the word that they call it, but one of my favorite features is that you tell them what you want to learn, what days a week and how many hours a day you're able to do it. They construct a personalized learning plan for you, send you daily emails reminding you what you need to do, track your progress as you go. They are your own personal syllabus creator so that you can learn on your own time. Recently, they've added a couple of new stuff just this week. Uh, Ruby on Linux course. So you're running Ruby on the Linux platform, Ruby Ruby being a programming environment. Uh, and you, you, the, the course takes you through building a log processor in Ruby, which is some, uh, excuse me, a log parser, which is something that you will have to do if you're going to do any kind of server administration. Uh, Linux is really good about dumping everything that happens to a text file somewhere, really bad about presenting that data to you back in a sane format. So. Your first lesson or your first course in this, Ruby on Linux, takes you through how not only how to program, but in the end, you've got something useful you can use. That's the way these guys do things. They give you education, and then they give you a tool that you can use at the end of it. They're also adding a Linux Essential Certification prep course. So this is a prep course for uh, the Linux Essential Certification from LPI. Um, the idea here is you're a professional, you want to dabble in Linux, but you're not ready to dig all the way in. You're a developer, you want to understand a little more about the platform you're developing for, uh, you don't want to dive fully into Linux administration, but you need to understand the code that you're trying to write to, this is the way to go. Uh, and these are just two new courses they've added this week. They're adding stuff all the time, and their price is laughable, $25 a month for all of this amazingness. Uh, But that's the most you can pay. If you buy a quarter, it's $65 for three months. If you buy annually, it's $215, which breaks down to just under $18 a month. $18 a month for this high-quality learning, you're not going to find that anywhere else. And when you go, use the uh, uh, link, uh, linuxacademy.com slash everydaylinux, and you'll get a special price break. All those things I just told you about how much it costs, don't count if you use our link. So, I'm not going to tell you any more than that. You have to go to find out. But all that stuff I just said doesn't count to you if you go to linuxacademy.com slash everydaylinux.
1: It's worth it, guys. Go do it.
0: (laughs) All right. So, that's enough about that. Now, let's move on to this. Seth put a link in the show notes with a little note. This might be an interesting discussion. And I read it, and the more I read about it, the more pissed off I got, and the more research I did, and now it has become the discussion of the show. Uh The State of the Union Address in the U.S. happens every January. It's a requirement of our Constitution that the president comes together and tells the country how we're doing. Um Often, the presidents use this as a way to pat themselves on the back for how well their administration is doing, uh, whether it's true or not. And they also launch their initiatives in the next year or the coming years. Here's what I want to do. One of the things that president Obama said he wants to do is to quote, update the computer fraud and abuse act uh, that has been around for a while. And because of this, you may in fact already be a felon. Seth, you want to take that one?
2: Well, it was just some of the changes that he made. Um, you know, one, totally agree with him. We can agree that they need to be updated because the computer fraud, um, you know, well, one, I don't necessarily think that computer fraud should be subject to the um the RICO Act, which is, you know, if you've ever seen like a gangster or a procedure like um Law & Order, they use the RICO Act, racketeer influence and corruptions, which is basically, you know, a way to go after organized crime. It's a
0: 1970s um, law written right. to take down mm-hmm. the mob. It's a racketeering. So uh, one of the proposals that pre- the president has brought before Congress is that we make hacking a mob thing but
2: the problem is the definition of hacking yeah yeah that's always so the problem if, though yeah if you um anything that um electronically intercepts devices is in the same category has terrorist weapons training and chemical weapons so
0: so what sort of things might electronically intercept a device i don't know your cell phone
2: yeah your, your computer, wireless laptop you know tablet. um yeah, anything like that you know there's a term it's not nearly as common practice. I think the term is still out there called war driving mm-hmm. where you drive around looking for an access point to hop onto um you know, and if you're doing that to see who's unsecured and stuff, you can do that for illegal activities. there's no doubt about that that has not been and probably isn't still being abused but just being able to see what's out there you are intercepting electronic transmissions because you turned on your wireless card in a in an apartment complex that you lived and detected 17 networks that are set up without a password and you automatically connected to one because that's the setting on the software you've committed You've done the exact same thing as if you were a terrorist training in chemical weapons. And like, you for go example, to
0: if you yes. have an AT&T phone, they are pre-programmed, hardwired to attach to any SSID that says AT&T. So if you ever go to a McDonald's in North America, your phone will automatically seek to attach to that Wi-Fi. You are then accepting signals that were not intended for you and are now a mobster.
1: And so is Google. Because Google's cars do that wherever they drive.
0: You know what the penalty for this is? Ten years in a federal prison for turning on your cell phone. Um, Ever share a password with somebody? How many people know your Netflix password? How many people know your HBO Go password? Every one of those can get you ten years in prison for each individual example. Because you are now sharing coded information with another party. Yes, we agree that uh, North Korea hacking Sony and sharing their passwords was a bad thing. But the way the law, the the proposed law is written, there is no distinction between how you got the information, whose information you're sharing. If you share a password, you are a felon.
1: So then sharing passwords between husband and wife for, say, the bank account would be felony charges.
0: Uh, well, not if you're on the bank account. Yeah, not if it's jointly owned.
1: Well, yeah, if it's a joint account, yes.
0: But my wife and I sharing my Amazon account, yep, I'm a felon. Because I have an agreement, I signed an end-user licensing agreement or an end-user agreement between myself and Amazon that specifically said I would protect. That's one of the bits of language in there. Uh, So I'm a felon. Uh, I I knew I was breaching the, uh, the terms of agreement, but now I'm a felon because my wife has my Amazon password. And can purchase things without me knowing it. Horror of horrors! Oh my god! Mm-hmm. So let's uh, some of the other things that I called out of here. Uh, visit WikiLeaks. You're an international criminal because nice. everything on WikiLeaks was put there uh, without permission. Uh, you're a reporter. Somebody brings you a hot tip of information they obtained without permission. You now, as the reporter, are an international felon.
2: Awesome or Here's another one let's suppose a um you know and this happens all the time um, a company has a list of internal data and that could be anything customer number social security or whatever and they forgot to secure it. They didn't realize this machine was facing the internet so somebody ha somebody breaks a story that this happens and as an example, they found their information in there. So they shared, I found my customer number on this breach and they tweet that out. If you retweet that story that contained the information, you've committed a crime.
0: Yeah. Not a crime, a felony, a federal offense. This is not a local misdemeanor. This, the, that particular penalty for what Seth just said, 20 years in federal prison for disseminating information about illegal information, not disseminating the inf- illegal information, disseminating information about illegal information, 20 year federal pen- uh, penalty, up to 20 years. Um, the, one, the one Seth already guy. mentioned the RICO law, the racketeering law. One of the most uh, egregious parts about that law, and that has been misused and decried in many uh Uh, courts across the land since the 70s when it was created, is the guilt by association principle. Under the the very definition of racketeering is that you were getting a group of people together to conspire to do things illegally. So if you hang out with people who do things illegal, you are therefore guilty of the illegal thing that they do. Drop in an IRC chat room to ask for help where two other guys in that same chat room are committing a felony. Yep, you're a felon. Yep. Wow. You
1: know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's amazing how far just a, a, the, the wrong wording on a law can make it even exponentially worse. Right.
0: The security researchers who make all our life better by finding and reporting, responsibly disclosing security bugs, they are now wanted men. They're, you know, like public enemies at this point because they are willfully, knowingly and regularly committing, uh, felonies. Who's going to do that anymore? Nobody in yeah. the U.S. Which well, means it is, that it's, we'll it's, not get updates
1: anymore, so there'll be even more security break-ins.
2: And here's how bad the law... The, his, and again, this isn't law now. This is only what he wants to do. Suppose... And this would never happen because we know all software is thoroughly vetted and tested and reviewed (laughs) to make sure it's secure before it's released. Suppose somebody put out a piece of software that whenever you right clicked and selected enlarge, what you did was open up a port on that computer you were on and created a connection to a server somewhere and downloaded something, you know. Again, just because the software was written incorrectly, you did something and you broke the law. And that example is a little out there, but it's not hard to imagine where these laws were these suggest and again, these are suggestions, um, has a way, you know, if these suggestions are only a way to start a discussion, good. But unfortunately, this is the same court that what was the thing you had to cancel, Mark, because it was supposedly illegal. Um what was that called? I don't, I don't know what you are talking about. So you could watch the Cowboys in Atlanta.
0: Oh, uh, um, see, it's I've already forgotten what it was. Um,
1: it was a mirroring site, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it was a TV rebroadcast. I've forgotten what it was. It it's yeah, they're dead to me. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, so one of the other things that that I teased out of this is uh, the there is a particular quote in there about exceeding authorized access. So um, I have a laptop at work, and I decide I want some software on it that can't be installed without an admin password. I call up one of my buddies who works in IT, uh, and he gives me the local admin password, and I um, use it and install the software. I have now exceeded my authorized access, and I'm now a felon. Wow. That,
1: that one... Kind of shocks.
0: If anybody's listening at work, I haven't done that. I don't know the admin password. I wish I did, but I don't because <laughs> nobody will tell me. Um, but <laughs> the point is that uh, if you do that, if you are a student, you walk up to a teacher's desktop, notice that she has left it unlocked and left the room, sit down at it and do anything. You have exceeded your authorized access. You were already in violation, most likely, of your school's uh, uh, use policy, acceptable use policy. You were probably violating a couple of local statutes. Now, you're a foul. Little Johnny's <laughs> going to prison for 10 years.
1: Wow. And granted, a lot of this stuff would be hard to prove. You know, a lot of the the, like what you just said, Mark, where you sat down at someone else's desk. Right. That would be hard to prove unless you had video evidence. But uh
0: man, I would love to say uh, admittedly I'm being alarmist here. Uh but with with good reason, right? I would love to say that this won't happen because cooler heads will prevail and they will ask real experts who will say this is ridiculous. Except I've been in this country 42 years and I know that doesn't happen. Um, And this thing could go through both houses and get a presidential signature as is. And all of these things that I said could become law. I don't think it will. It
1: scares the crap out of me.
0: But it's entirely possible. And the problem here is not that, you know, I I mentioned previously when we did the uh, network neutrality show that I found myself in the unusual and somewhat off-putting position of agreeing with our president. Uh, I don't agree uh, philosophically and politically with much that our current president does, um, and in that case, I was like, "We're buddies." I'm I'm with you on this one, prez. Um, well, my my faith in humanity has been restored after reading this. I don't think o- Obama is a is a an airhead. I don't think he's evil. I think he's simply uneducated, and, and he's not expected to be. He's not expected to be a computer expert. He's expected to run a country. That's his job. His his pedigree is as a lawyer and as a community organizer. He has a certain set of skills. He used those set of skills. He became president. He's developed skills since he became president. He's he's become good at some things. He's shown himself not so good at other things. Nowhere in there is computer expert. He's not expected to be an expert, yet he has authored a proposed law, clearly without asking computer experts. That's the problem. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless you think simply a partisan hack like myself is arguing with it, as the Huffington Post, no conservative rag there, points out, even his fellow Democrats are saying, what you talk about, Willis?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a long stretching thing. And I, you know, even no matter how much he wants it to happen, he's going to have a huge problem trying to get it through the, through the house and everything right now, too, because he's fighting a, a, a aggressor, not aggressive, but a, uh, an anti-democratic, yeah, an adversarial house and, and, and everything. So he's, yeah. you know, chances of this actually getting through is limited, but, and you know, maybe, that doesn't mean maybe it could happen with the next guy.
0: Maybe that's the political calculus that took place. I'm a lame duck, lame duck president that doesn't control either house, uh, of, of the government. The odds of this going through are slim. So let me make a bold populist statement. That's a politician's thing to say and think, and yeah. and fine. But the fact that there's even a a possibility this could become law has me shaking in my technological boots.
1: Yeah, and it, it makes you wonder what's going to actually happen in say a couple of years when he's no longer there and we have another one in. You know, is this going to come back up or will it even or will it die on the steps?
2: Those are really good questions. And, you know, lest you think for those people, because we have several people around who aren't from America, and you think, wow, I can't believe people in America would do something that stupid. Um, We've talked about it on this show before, and it's been a few years ago now. But back in 2007, the state of Texas, which, you know, of course, there's the thing that, you know, Texans are like cowboys and hicks. But, you know, have you ever heard of a company called Dell or CompuCom? You know, the telecom corridor in the DFW area. There's a lot of computer savvy people in the state. Yeah, Texas Instruments. Raytheon. Um, (laughs) We passed a law saying if you access personal data on a computer that's not yours, you have to have a PI license. So, for example, if somebody brings their computer into a shop that I work, and in the course of... Figuring out what is wrong with it, I find, oh, well, because they went to this... Uh freepornnow.com and got these malware on their site. And that's where this child porn came that I have, you know, and I'm telling my supervisor, um, no, I didn't go to there. I'm looking at this hard drive. Well, then you've broken the law because you're not a PI and you were accessing information on a computer. You cannot do computer repair without accessing information on the computer. And I was in contact with my congress, local state congressman about this. And I even asked him, you know, why, you know, what does this law mean? And the response I got back from his office was we just passed it. You would need to consult a lawyer to find out what it means. (laughs) And that was the response I received from my con. You know, I'm like, so let me get this straight. You can pass a law, but you don't know what it means. I have to go pay money to a lawyer to, and, you know, that's the political process that we live in and that was just a state now you've got yeah. the whole country and all of the money coming in from special interest groups because there's a certain segment of special interest groups that finds these laws appealing right. um you know um law enforcement. So anyway, law enforcement yeah. loves
0: this this expands their power they can stop bad guys better we all want them to stop bad guys better nobody thinks stopping bad guys is a bad thing even Batman agrees with me on that one <laughs> um, but you you have to you have to pay attention. I mean, Seth, your example is is great. In the home of NASA, nobody could find a technical expert. Um there's a problem with that. Again, we don't expect politicians to be technical experts. We don't expect technical experts to be politicians. We expect them to talk to one another.
1: But that involves people talking to each other and we don't do that anymore. Yeah. We text.
0: And, and now let me let me bring in the bigger uh, objection of mine to this, and, and and that is it's by definition, laws only affect law-abiding citizens. You have now written a law aimed at criminals. What good that does makes, that do anybody?
1: Well, and it makes everyone a criminal.
0: Exactly. It's the same as the gun control. I don't. I don't want to de- de- uh, veer too far off into that. But nobody who's ever um, held somebody up at gunpoint, didn't know it was illegal. And passing stiffer gun laws against people who don- already don't obey laws doesn't help anything.
2: No, no, this- no, Mark. Studies have shown criminals will only break 23 laws. If there's a 24th <laughs> law on the book, they'll say, I'm the out. Same thing. 23, yeah. I-, I-, I can do, but I can't do two dozen. Sorry. So.
0: So the, this law will not uh, first it, it at least at first won't affect anybody outside the U.S. Assuming it passes, let's let's worst case scenario and this exact law as it was written is is rubber stamped by both houses, signed by the president, becomes the law of the land. Immediately, ninety percent of Americans are criminals. Nobody outside the country is a criminal, so it's not going to stop any hackers who are outside of our borders. So the Sony hack wouldn't be affected by it. The WikiLeaks wouldn't be affected by it. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of things that may have gone to creating this law wouldn't be affected by this law. However, you have taken one step closer to turning your own country into a police state. And, you know, I'm not going to use the Nazi thing, uh, despite the fact that it is well known that every Internet argument be- uh, becomes Nazis eventually. I'm not going to go there. My point is, just, just like my point with vigilantism, Laws mean things. And you have to abide by the law. If a citizenry doesn't abide by the law, the, 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 the country cannot stand. When you create laws of increasingly more constriction, you make people increasingly less likely to follow them, therefore weakening the nature of your union. That's my concern. Laws like this, if it were passed, make our country weaker.
1: We're all just criminals.
0: It's over. And I am a criminal, Chris. I speed most days. I go to work. I, uh, you know, I, I don't tip. That's not a crime. Uh, but you know, there are, should be I, most days of my life, I break some law.
1: Right. But you're not being caught. Right. That's yeah. that, that goes along those lines of, you know, like in, in my hometown, I don't know anybody that has ever been prosecuted for jaywalking. But it's against the law. Right. So, again, everyone's a criminal because I've seen just about probably everybody jaywalk in my town. But yet, uh, if a law is no longer being enforced, is it still a law?
0: Well, yes, it is. There's a stop sign at the top of the hill where I live. I live at the end of the cul-de-sac that sees roughly 20 cars a day worth of traffic. I don't stop at that stop sign. That is a pointless stop sign. I can see... They're in all three directions, the fourth direction is a house, and I'm pretty sure a car is not coming from there. Um, I can see in all three directions, and if I don't see a car, I don't stop. If I do see a car, I stop. So most days, I have broken the law. And when I have my kids with me, I make a point to wave at the stop sign so that, that they know that I'm aware that I'm breaking the law, that I can't use my own <laughs> ignorance. I'm choosing to break the law. So I wave at it. I make acknowledge the fact that it's there, and they ask me about it. Daddy, why did you do that? I said, "Well, I'm choosing to disobey a stupid law. That is your right. You can do that, but if there's a cop right here, I'm going to get a ticket, and I'm not going to argue with it because that's just the way it is. So that makes me a criminal. That plus, you know, going 57 and a 55, I can pretty much guarantee that 300 days of the year, I'm a criminal. And if you copyright, well, there's there's that. (laughs) If you if you pass this law mr obama 300 days a year i'm a felon that's there's a big difference there
1: yeah yeah there's a difference between a a, you know ten dollar fine or whatever to 20 years in prison yeah or more because i would almost bet that these would be per count charges right so you would be looking at probably i don't know how many times does that have happened in a day do you does your wife share your password to get into amazon as an as a blanket example well Uh,
0: Chris I would never admit to that that never happens that was uh, an example that I gave of a possibility Um, if
1: but okay devil's advocate (laughs) if it was possible for her to do that just as a blanket approximation of a non-happening event how often would you say it would happen hypothetically
0: three times a week three times a week
1: so that's Three times 52 t- weeks in a yeah. year, 10 years per account.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, but uh, uh, seven days a week, she uses my Netflix account because we only have one and it's on all of our devices.
1: Yep. Um, Same thing with your kids, though. No. I mean, seven, seven I mean, days I mean, a allegedly. week is possible. It would be Potentially, possible for
0: her. If it were um, <laughs> such a thing and this was not a completely made up hypothetical situation, maybe. Somebody in my house would use my Netflix password um, every day. Maybe. It could happen. Hypothetical. It could happen.
2: <laughs> so here, here's the thing, Mark. You have Netflix. You automatically you set up Firefox to automatically log you in to Netflix. And you let me borrow your computer and not realizing it, I accidentally, because you have Firefox, remember, the last site you were on, which was Netflix, I'm using your computer, which you let me borrow, and I just happen to fire up Firefox. All of a sudden, Netflix pops up. You've made me a felon.
0: Yes, and myself. We are both now felons. I gave you information, which you weren't allowed to have, and you made use of information. You upgraded your access. We are now both spending 20 years together in adjoining cells.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, at least I have someone to talk to, so it's not all bad.
0: Uh, We need to learn, brush up on our Morse code so we could tap each other. Through the the bricks. um, There you go. messages to one another. Tap,
1: tap, tap, dash, tap, tap, tap.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, we're having fun with this, but it's because if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Because this is scary. I am literally, legitimately scared about this. Especially with how things are going down,
1: you know, with any of this stuff that's going on lately, you know, in the like I was I haven't listened to the episode yet but supposedly there's a way for them to break tour completely wide open so the chances of you even being anonymous anymore are d- d- dramatically decreasing as each week goes on
0: Yeah, see the feds so, are listening in i keep getting signed out of of google uh, <laughs> as as we do the show so uh, um I'm in trouble. trouble. They've they've already come for me. They've, they've started hacking my machine, which makes them felons by the way.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it, they're doing it in the act of process of gaining evidence, so that doesn't quite work for them, right? Isn't that yeah. how that works?
0: So maybe the answer is for all of us to become uh private eyes. And then we're yeah. we're legal in Texas and we're legal across the country.
2: Yeah, we can just we can all contract for the government and uh, since we would be employees it would then be okay because we would be we would be within our duty of fault ta- fault testing the security <laughs> of the internet. I guess. Okay. I, uh, we've
0: clearly devolved even more than our original devolution. <laughs> um, uh, we've got time for two news stories. Seth, pick your two, and and we'll go. <laughs>
2: Okay, since we'll just keep everything on here, we'll talk about the hard drives, just because why not, and then we'll talk about the one underneath it, healthcare, just because why not?
0: All right, so here's my skillful intro. Not all hard drives are created equal.
2: Right, and this is actually um, a story that came out about a year ago, and we talked about it then, um, back... Blaze, which is a company that, um, does mass storage. Um, they have like a, you know, wads and wads of hard drives spinning and they, they have kept stats on which ones fail, which ones are the most reliable, uh, you know, which ones are utter garbage. And come to find out, HGST, which, um, is now a wholly owned subsidiary of Western Digital, but can trace its lineages back to IBM's hard drive, hard disk division, they are the best at, um, not breaking down. Their, um, failure rates, and they talk about mean time to failure, um, is just ridiculously high. They have a very low failure rate, um, and even, and they, they spend just a whole lot, um, like 2.3% failing after a year and,
0: but if you have a three terabyte drive from Seagate, you're probably not going to finish this show before it dies on you.
2: Yeah. That's a, Seagate wow. is the worst. Uh, and it's just an article that talks about it. You know, uh, Western Digital is pretty good. Um, not quite as good as the HGST, but Seagate are pretty much crap. So if you have a, if you're about to buy, if you're going to go to Elmopie.com slash Amazon and buy yourself a brand new hard drive, don't get Seagate. You know, at least get Western Digital, but maybe search for HG HGST if you want one that will last you a long time. Because, and again, this isn't one person who had one hard drive. This is a company that spends literally thousands of discs, and they have kept track on by the numbers which ones fail and those don't fail as much.
0: Yeah, there was a, a time. Uh, it's probably not true anymore, but when I was more immersed in this world, I used to say that uh, the most Prominent failure uh, of hard drives I had ever seen was Western Digital, but also ninety plus percent of all hard drives I'd seen were Western Digital. So it stands to reason that they would be the ones that fail the most. They were they were inexpensive, and every major manufacturer and most uh, mom and pop shops used Western Digital. Uh, right. Seagate's were a little more elite; they were more expensive, and so I I sometimes when I was writing bid specs would specify. Seagate drives—that clearly is not the case anymore. Western Digital is at the low end of the failure rate, and Seagate is at the top end of the failure rate, uh, which also goes to show that if they run this uh, test two years from now, all bets may be off and everything will be different.
1: Well, especially right. with the with the with uh, solid state drives becoming more and more prominent in everyone's right. hard drives, where these spinning disks aren't aren't an issue if you have a, a solid state. It's a totally different failure rate.
2: Right. And, you know, and again, just to point out, these are pretty much the same results. So there wasn't any big shakeups in a year. So, you know, all of a sudden, Seagates didn't just turn to crap. They were right. always crap and, you know, Western <laughs> Digital. Uh, so, and again, by always, you know, that's over the recent term. And if you read the article, the latest version, the latest Seagates seem to have been better. So, um, but they haven't been there long enough. So next year, whenever they come out with their report, uh, we'll find out if the new Seagates are holding up or if they just lasted a little longer and then everything died.
0: Uh and moving on to the next story. If you're uh looking to if you're an advertiser looking for the best website where you can get the most information about the people who visit that website, healthcare.gov is for you.
2: Yes, there has been lots of studies done on the website. Um, you know, whenever, of course, you know, not just the Electronic Frontier Foundation, they love to uh, just go and and cry foul even when nothing's happening. But when the Associated Press and the Electronic Frontier Foundation are both saying that, hey, um, there's these at least 14 third-party advertisers that collect data and you don't really have a way to opt out. And, you know, and here's the thing. You have to have insurance now. If you, And, again, if you're in America, it's a law that you have to have insurance. And if your employer doesn't provide it, the most likely place you will get it is healthcare.gov. You put in all of your information. You know, you get your age. You get your race. You get your sex. And then you get what conditions you have. And also you get your financial information to find out if you qualify for a subsidy. Now then, because you advertise on that site, you are getting all of this information on everyone. So every every spammer in the world is going to want to advertise on healthcare.gov because they will get your information. And, of course, we all know because we've talked about how awesome our government is this show and clearly how well thought out every technological initiative they've started out is. Um it's, it's kind of a, it's almost better if you value privacy in any way. Maybe it's better for you just to pay the fine for not having insurance and then, uh, going and selling out your digital self to save a couple of bucks on healthcare.gov. Um, and again, that was an editorial statement, not a statement of fact, uh, for any, <laughs> any government official who may or may not listen to any part of this. Seth, show. we don't
0: editorialize on this show. I'm ashamed of you. Oh. We never, we never state our opinions. Only the cold hard facts,
2: <laughs> right? But yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the cold hard fact, in my opinion, is
0: so. I am uh, less of a uh, piracy, ad- uh, excuse me, privacy advocate. Um, less of a piracy advocate, even uh, than than say Seth is, and and that many people are. Uh, I think pi- privacy is overrated, but. An advertiser shouldn't be able to know my annual income just because they advertise on a website. That's a problem. And and I'm not sure I didn't gather in this site if that was one of the pieces of information in this article. The article was just that they tend to leak the most information. Um, but you gotta be you gotta be better than that. Healthcare.gov. Healthcare.gov is even despite the .gov isn't run by a government there's a company that does that come on company whoever you are you got to do better than that
1: i would hope they would eventually maybe soon like maybe tomorrow i would like it better <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's a uh... It's a sign of the times this show uh, turned into a pick on the US government show it didn't intend to be and for all of you outside the the US uh we may be you know a little um uh out inside baseball uh and I apologize if you found it boring but I assure you what happens here f- comes to your country and what happens in your country comes to my country uh we are we are in a global world um and so let us be the canary in the coal mine that uh, if we die, you know, to turn the
2: other way. Um,
3: at
1: least let's hope so.
2: And at the very least, hopefully it was entertaining theater for you.
0: <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if people know what that canary in the coal mine means. It's so old now that people may not even know what it means back during the industrial revolution and beyond when, the, uh, when the U S was a, uh, um, uh, a coal driven economy, uh, you would be digging down into these giant tunnels into the ground and you'd hit pockets of poisonous gas and not know it. These would be poisonous gases that you could not smell or taste or sense until somebody died. So it was common to carry a canary down in the coal mine because they're more sensitive. And when the canary stops singing, you run
1: and fast. <laughs> you yep. turn and sprint. <laughs>
0: So the phrase "canary in the coal mine" means early warning system. Uh, let the U.S. may in fact be the early warning system for dumb laws regarding technology. In this case,
2: if this law goes past, it gets passed. It won't be the early warning system for malware detection anymore. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I do I don't mean to be super reactionary, but this might be enough for me to change my country of citizenship. If this passes exactly as is with no changes, I would have to seriously consider moving to another country.
2: Yeah, I, yeah but dude, the so much of what rare. I do is is all of a sudden illegal, right? So it, that would be very scary. So, all right,
0: uh, let's look back instead of looking forward, Seth. What
2: happens this week in computer history? Okay, January the twenty fourth, nineteen eighty four. The first Apple Macintosh goes on sale. So, uh, what's that? Thirty-one years ago, the first Apple Mac went on sale. Wow, eighty-four. Yeah,
0: yep. they're How they're.
2: Uh, remember the Super Bowl
0: ad that year with the yeah. chick without a bra running with a hammer. Um, I was young. I was at the age where I noticed the chick didn't have a bra on. Um, <laughs> and she threw her hammer at the screen that clearly represented IBM. It was a play on 1984 Orwell's vision. Yep. Um, and IBM was big brother. Um, yeah. The the Mac uh, was going to set us all free from IBM.
1: And they just locked you into a
2: different system. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you think about it, they're pretty much the only hardware, well, I guess HP is still around, but not for lack of trying, uh, that is still in the computer market uh, 30 years later, so.
0: And that was, if I remember correctly, Steve's Jobs crowning moment after coming back. Remember, Steve was fired
2: from No, I think this was pre-firing.
0: I don't think so, but maybe. We'll see somebody will let us know the internet is not known for letting mistakes go so uh, well yeah because
2: you said it if if I said it because you said it um, you can mangle a fact Chris can mangle a
0: word I uh, sniff in the wrong place and get a deluge of email about it Um, I I think it's
1: awesome personally
0: (laughs) yes yes you would (laughs) and uh, if I were you I would think it was awesome too Bring those right. zingers
1: right along. Shoot them at Mark. We all, <laughs> he's got the biggest bullseye.
0: <laughs> That's Chris at LMNOP.com. C H R I S at Uh Okay, so now let's move on to our links of the week. Chris, what awesome stuff do you have for you? You already brought us cool archers. What I else did. you got for us?
1: Um, this was a kind of a neat little article that I originally found on, or it's not it's not an article, it's a YouTube video. Um, that I found on LinkedIn. And it was going on the idea of, you know, uh, unless you were really in in our field when they busted up sink, Silk Row, you never knew anything about how they did it or what it is or some of the different terminologies. And this BBC video covers a lot of that stuff. And it really makes you look back at it and go, okay, now I understand why all this stuff is going on. And it also has a good description of what cryptocurrency bitcoin is like. So, it's kind of a, a neat little roundup video that'll keep that'll, you know, maybe if you're not in in the know, you might get in the know after watching it. But they All do right. make some pretty large some assum- assuming reaches on some of their stuff, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs>
0: You mean you are criticizing somebody for making wild accusations about what might happen after this show?
1: Maybe.
0: (laughs) Pot, have
2: you met Kettle? He's black.
1: Yes, I have. And actually, (laughs) me and Pot
2: get along pretty well. Uh, Maybe some context for this. (laughs) (laughs) Your employer might not like to hear that. (laughs)
1: I will guarantee I'll pass that drug test. <laughs> anyway.
0: Okay. I don't know how to, to to come from come back from this, but uh, if you've
2: ever been dumped,
0: Seth has it for you, has the site for you. I don't know what to mean. I don't know. Yes,
2: much like Steve Jobs was dumped from Apple in the summer of 1985. Um, sorry, I had to look it up. I couldn't let it go. Um, <laughs> so... Okay. It was pre-firing. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. He- here's the, um, here's the scenario. You have went out and basically put a second mortgage on your house to buy your girlfriend this awesome rock. Uh, you know. Multi-digit carrots and all this. And you go home only to find somebody else's car in the driveway. And it turns out she wasn't as committed to you as you were to her. What are you going to do with this ring? You can't take it back for whatever. There's now a website for you. I do now I don't dot com where you can go and kind of put your sob story on the marketplace and sell your rock to somebody else who wants to impress the girl of his dreams. Um, so you go there and you can find engagement rings, uh, jewelry, even bridal because, you know, Hey, maybe you're a woman and you had this dress and then the guy said, sorry, the waitress was cuter than you were. What are you going to do with this dress? Well, now you can go to, I do now, I do com and you can be the answer even though your prayers were ruined and your life was crushed you can be the answer to someone else's prayer um i don't know i do now i don't com so you can uh, help ease someone's uh it's un-wedding it's like depressing. it's like when
0: i was in college and nobody bought new books from the bookstore they always bought right. used books right because they were so much cheaper so now you can buy a used gently used wedding ring uh, or engagement ring um you present that to your bride to be. She says yes. She's happy, and she says, "Oh, this is so perfect." Tell me the story of how you came to get it.
1: Uh, <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh,
0: grandmother, family heirloom.
2: Um,
0: but she's got Alzheimer's and won't remember, so don't ask her.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not, you know, it's not like before. I say I do, honey. You didn't get this from I do now I don't dot com, did you? <laughs> my friend jenny had the
0: ring just like this before she broke it off with her boyfriend That's uh, funny.
2: i don't know how tom got this ring wait i never said his name was tom
0: <laughs> oh i do now the american um entrepreneurial spirit hard at work definitely oh that's that's awesome um I didn't look at the prices but I'm sure they're still way too expensive. Some of yeah, them
1: they- I'm thumbing through some of them and some of them are, you know, adequately priced and some of them are oh my god priced. So
0: So m- nobody cares, but I'm going to tell the story cuz I've got the mic and you don't. That's uh, right. I was uh I was dirt poor uh working multiple jobs as janitor and fry cook not at the same time. Um, and going to college when I proposed to my wife. And, um, so what we did is we went to the mall and went to, uh, the, and our mall wasn't really a mall. It was more of a, a sit go with an attitude. Um, mall in training. Yes. Um, and, and we went to the uh, Gordon's Jewelers, which I don't even think exists anymore. Um, and we both applied for credit cards, Gordon's Jewelers credit cards. My credit limit was $200. Hers was $300. We put those two together and bought two rings, or three rings, actually, because we had her engagement ring, her wedding band, and my wedding band for $500 in 1993. Um, so, yeah, this uh, six-month salary crap, actually, that probably was six-month salary, now that I think about it. Uh, but my wife bought mo- more of her wedding ring than I did, because her credit limit was higher than mine. Um, I think her wedding dress cost maybe twice as much as the wedding ring I was able to buy her. Did um, so. There's there's my story. I, on on I do now I don't. It probably wouldn't have have uh, gone. I could have gone the Craigslist route and gotten the same amount of money. You probably could have got
2: more on Craigslist then. with the sob story. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe. Uh, ironically, uh, with the price of gold having shot up, that ring is now worth thousands of dollars. Um, because we bought it at a time when gold was cheap, relatively speaking. So anyway, there there's a story nobody wanted to hear, but I made you do it anyway.
1: But it was a good story. Thank you. Um,
0: <laughs> so if you, dear listener, would like to be like Dave and Robert and Batman and would like to uh, feedback about this show and have your your voicemail or your uh, email uh Presented. I started to say red, but I don't read voicemails uh, on the show. Uh, you can do that by going to com and uh, click the contact us button at the top of the page. That's where you can uh, send us a nice email. Uh, it will be sent to me and given priority in my inbox. Uh, you can... Uh, if you don't trust me, if you think I'm a censor and you want to, uh, to send something to Chris directly, Chris at elementopi.com, you can send something to EDL at elementopi.com for everyday Linux in case you didn't figure that out. Uh, that goes to all three of us, uh, and we will see it and, uh, uh that works. Or if you want to like Batman, if you want to call in, you can call 559 I am OP from anywhere in North America. That's a free call. You can call it anywhere in the world, but it's free anywhere in North America. Or if you're outside the country and uh and you don't want to to call in just to record a short uh audio file and and email it to me or dropbox me a link or whatever uh we we we're not particular about how you get it to us. just keep it short within a couple of minutes less than three and uh we'd love to hear from you again. you are the reason we do this show. your feedback drives us on uh Dave presented a f- uh, future show for us tonight if Seth can remember to write that down. And uh, <laughs> uh, much of our show topics actually do come from you, the audience. Uh, so we appreciate it. Chris, Seth, as always, you're amazing. And I appreciate you being here without your insight and wit. Um, I would just be a pretty boring guy talking to myself. Um, and speaking okay, of no that, Mark, wants I do that.
2: have a parting shot that. for you. Okay. Um, if you read Audible books, you can certainly read a voicemail.
0: <laughs> okay. There, there you, you go. go.
1: That, you know, the analogy is true.
2: Uh,
0: wh- while you mention that, I will tell you that I finished Lucifer- Lucifer's Hammer. It was okay. It was not the great sci-fi classic I had been led to believe it was. It was okay. Started, um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Really good book. Really?
1: Oh, yeah. right. That's my February yeah. book. So
0: don't, don't judge a book by its movie. Now I enjoyed the movie. I really did, but only in, in the same way that I enjoy Sharknado. It was right. visually stunning, and it was terrible. But it was so terrible, it was hilarious. I went to it with two other buddies of mine. We sat there and laughed the whole time, really enjoying the movie, um, but not in the way that it was intended to be uh, enjoyed. Uh, but the book, if you're into history, if you're into Abe Lincoln, it is essentially an alternate biography of his life, taking real events that really happen, that you can really read about, using real excerpts from journal entries and letters, and turning them on their head. And you find that he's been a vampire hunter most of his life. Uh, probably the greatest vampire hunter in history. Uh, so it's uh, it's really engaging, um, and I'm enjoying it. So there's my pick. If you want to go to elementobie.com slash audible, you can hear that one for free. It, I have a for... pick, too. I got one.
1: It's okay. a good one. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It's called Hard Magic. And no. it's the no. same idea for your Abraham Lincoln one. But this is set in the Roaring Twenties, and for some reason, magic has become everyone has some flavor of it, and so it's kind of going off the idea of. Um, from the, I'm only two chapters in, so it it isn't you know a lot of stuff yet. I haven't really got a lot, but it makes uh, you know like they have uh, they're talking about going to speakeasies and breaking things up like that, and and uh, it's. I'm really into it. I want to keep reading it. And so I, I have to really hold myself back because otherwise I'd burn <laughs> through the book like crazy, but I got it on a, uh, ah, this looks like a decent book. I'll buy it. Cause it was a discounted, it was on a sale and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably garbage, but I need something. And I'm really getting into this book. So hard magic. It's book one of, I don't remember how many, but it's definitely a good one. It's, uh, the Full title is Hard Magic, book one of the Grimnora Chronicles. Basically,
2: book one of until they don't make much money anymore.
3: (laughs) Probably,
1: but um, it's so far, and the reader, it took me a little bit to get used to the reader, but he does a great job with the reading, too. So, so far, good book.
0: Audible readers are good. Musical interludes bad. Just stop doing it, guys. Just stop. Please. Um, Okay, that's it. End of show. Uh Thanks for, uh again, being great host, guys, and thanks for uh, being uh, a great listener. And we will see you next week uh, when we will record on Saturday night. If you like to listen live, it will be same bat time, different bat day, Batman. Uh, it'll be Saturday night at uh, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll let you do the time zone zone conversion because Sunday is the Super Bowl and um, we like football just a little bit and we'll be watching that and so there you go Uh, if you're it'll come out in the feed the same time if you don't watch live it doesn't matter Uh, but you should watch live because we get good comments from the chat room and uh, we enjoy it Uh, and you can't fast forward through the ad so we like it when people listen (laughs) live (laughs) for now I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux